Uh, you can rent e-books uh, and audio books from your local library. Uh, I know for me it's hard for me where I am to stream Netflix uh, because of data issues with um, my internet, uh, but the local library has been an incredible source for me to get uh, e-books uh, and audio books and, uh, and DVDs. Uh, the fourth tip is maybe schedule phone or video chats with friends. Um, you know, as we um, sort of socially uh, isolate ourselves, um, you know, to uh, you know keep ourselves safe. Uh, as time goes on, you know, that's going to potentially be harder. So, um, you know, make sure we stay in touch with people and uh, we don't become isolated. You know, we can FaceTime, uh, we can get on Zoom. Um, you know, with all the technology today, uh, there's all sorts of ways to stay connected and not feel alone. The fifth tip is uh, take a break from the news. Um, you know, honestly, uh, the news as it spews out every day uh, isn't probably going to change um, too much uh, in the days ahead. Uh, it might only get worse. Uh, so, you know, do what you got to do, um, you know, for yourself, for your friends. Uh, you know, try some of these tips. You know, don't spend your time, you know, uh, reading the news on the Internet or watching it on television. Uh, it's only going to raise your blood pressure. And uh, that won't do your immune system any good. Also, uh, you know, you can channel your thoughts and feelings by journaling. Uh, research suggests that journaling can help you stress, uh, emotional fallout, and anxiety. Uh, so that's number six. Uh, number seven, uh, if necessary, uh, check out online therapy resources. Um, it says if you're looking for long-term support, online therapy services are available. Virtual therapy ranges in costs and medium, but uh, can be a good option for people who are quarantined, have mobility issues, or um, you know, inflexible schedules. Um, I know I can tell you. Uh, good friends, uh, you know, grounded friends uh, or another source of, uh, of help, you know, to help one another, you know, if you can't, um, you know, afford a therapist. And the eighth uh, tip uh, they mention is free text and call support hotlines. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health or support, don't hesitate to check out free online and phone resources. Some popular examples include the Crisis Text Line, which you can reach by texting HOME to 741-741, as well as the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255, and that's free, confidential, and available 24-7. Okay, so uh, let's get to today's uh, offering of inspiration. Um, you may or may not know um, folks like Jean Houston, Barbara Walker, Z Budapest, uh, all commented uh, and recommended my book, Goddess Calling, Inspirational Messages and Meditations of Sacred Feminine Liberation Theology. And you might say, Sacred Feminine Liberation Theology, what is that? Well, you know, it's kind of a, um, a, a mouthful, a phrase that uh, really means goddess value sets us free of patriarchy and the dominator-oppressor culture that we find ourselves 
uh, living in. Uh, so coming each month this year, as I said, I'll share an inspirational message and meditation from the book. Uh, this month it's Our Messiah, She of 10,000 Names, uh, followed by a meditation. So um, I hope you'll get comfortable, you know, settle yourself so you might absorb and enjoy uh, what I'm about to share with you. You know, allow yourself to take in the inspiration. Uh, then we'll do a meditation uh, together to round out the show. Uh, this one is uh, already taped. Uh, I won't actually be reading it. Um, so also, too, uh, while I'm thinking of it, remember to click the follow button on my show page so each month you get in your email box reminders of the show, uh, what guests are coming on, uh, their topics, and you know that gives you a quick access button right there for you to uh, get right in here uh, to blog talk and hear um, you know, the current offering. But you can also go through the archives. There's uh, an incredible amount there, uh, you know, you might avail yourself of in the coming, you know, days and weeks uh, for a distraction to all that's going on out there. Uh, also, too, if you haven't signed up for my newsletter yet, um, Dancing at the Edges with Karen Tate, uh, please do. You can go to my website to do that. Uh, it's karentate.net. Um, uh, my show earlier in the week, I actually read the um, the inspiration uh, from that newsletter. It's uh, uh, you know you and, and if you listen to Wednesday's show, um, you can hear it if uh, you know if you haven't uh, read it already. It's called "Are Your Shackles Showing?" Uh, it's a little bit provocative, but um, you know I think that's okay. Uh, what do they say? Um, uppity women never make history. <laughs> so I'm not too afraid of uh, being provocative. Um, and it's also on my Karen Tate uh, Facebook page uh, if you'd like to go there uh, to find it. All right. So I uh, hope that gave you time to uh, maybe get yourself settled and comfortable. And uh, we're about to start here. So this is Chapter 3 from Goddess Calling, Our Messiah, She of 10,000 Names. And I think this is appropriate at this time because next week spring begins. Yes, indeed, spring is around the corner, even though some of our weather in different parts of the country might not look like it or feel like it. So here we go. Within Judeo-Christian tradition, Palm Sunday traditionally commemorates the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. The Gospels record the arrival of Jesus riding into the city on a donkey while the crowds spread their cloaks and palm branches on the street to honor him as their long-awaited Messiah and King. But long before the new religion of Christianity arose, the Great Mother was celebrated in the ancient world at this season of spring by carrying in procession the branches of palms, pines, and other trees. Herstory records a creatrix and messiah, she of 10,000 names, far, far older than the deities of Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and other more recent religions. So this morning, I humbly take on the role of contemporary bard and prophetess to reclaim the history of the long-awaited return of the great she, goddess, our female messiah of 10,000 names, and we will together vision the prophecies attached to that coming. 
How might life be different with the divine feminine or goddess birthed at the center of the world, particularly for women and our like-minded brothers without the domination of patriarchy's clenched fists? Ah, but wait. That is the end of the tale, isn't it? To understand how things have come to be so turned upside down, let us start at the place where every good board starts their telling of what came to pass. Let us start at the beginning. As many of you know from the artifacts of her devoted, goddess was revered on this planet we call Gaia as much as 40,000 years ago, long before male god, which is a relatively new invention. Gaia, our great creatrix, brought forth all we needed to sustain ourselves so that life might take hold and thrive. We believe women were revered because they brought forth new life. They were seen as powerful. They could bleed without dying, and this was magical indeed. Women watched and learned from Mother Nature. They began to understand how goddesses like Demeter gave us the seed, and women soon birthed the skills of agriculture. From the mistress of the animals, they learned animal husbandry. They used their plants to heal the sick, help bring babies into the world, thus becoming the first doctors and pharmacologists holding life and death in their hands. They brought forth from their sacred yonis new life. Communities began to flourish, and art, music, and dancing was born. In many places, women were primary or lived in peaceful egalitarian societies with men. Just like today, women were the glue that held the family units and communities together. We know marriage was not always required and children were raised by the women and uncles of the tribe. Women passed their authority and assets down through their daughters and men were granted power through the goddess or queen. Goddesses like Themis and Athena brought us law and wisdom, libertas and Kali, social justice, and sedna, environmentalism, and a warning against greed and exploitation. Goddess myths taught us everything we needed to know to thrive and balance on the planet and with each other. And yes, goddess was celebrated across continents and cultures. Women baked cakes for the queen of heaven. They offered up piglets at the temples of Demeter and Persephone, or incense and wine were sacrificed to Artemis. Boats laden with precious offerings were launched into the sea to honor Isis. And in Rome at this time of year, we know of the festival of the entry of the tree when clergy of Magna Mater, the great mother, also known as Cabelli, carried pine or palm trees and their branches through the city to celebrate her. As with so many Christian practices, like Palm Sunday, their origins were co-opted from already existing pagan beliefs and rituals. But soon, in many different places, over much time and for many reasons, patriarchy was born. And this time of peace and prosperity would not last. You see, people began to think of the me and the I instead of the us and the we. We began to think of growing their personal property at the expense of others and Mother Earth instead of our collective well-being. They took woman, the animals, and the earth to be their possessions, their chattel, and there was great suffering across all the lands to this very day. And with this shift, this great gender side, 
life as we knew it came to pass, along with the marginalizing of women. Adversaries of the sacred feminine try to sweep away awareness and knowledge of goddess for all time. And with that sweeping away, when the great she was made to disappear because of the religion of selfish and disconnected men and their war gods, women and their power, their leadership and their natural spiritual authority were thwarted repressed, diminished, and disrespected, even became taboo. And the men, they suffered too. We know if a culture reveres a war god, that culture will be a warrior culture. If that culture has only male leadership, that culture will be dominated by men. And thus it was for thousands of years, imbalance, injustice, abomination. Women, once considered sacred, the earth, once seen as sacred, the animals, once seen as gifts from she of 10,000 names, all became commodities of the patriarchy, of the authoritarian father, rather than the nurturing, life-affirming, compassionate mother. Not that long ago, it was questioned if women even had souls, and their wombs were no more than an incubator for the male seed. Yes, there were there was a great sadness upon the land and among her peoples because only a few at the top reaped the benefit of all the resources on Mother Earth. The rest were left scraping by, fighting for the crumbs at the bottom of the heap. So how did that manifest itself for women in everyday life? What was, what are the consequences of sweeping away the great she? What happens when women are no longer equal and associated with the Divine Mother? I share with you these inhumanities against the feminine on this planet. Domestic violence and sexual abuse is rampant, including the barbarity of female genital mutilation, or FGM, where a woman's sacred yoni is cut with a sharpened shell or knife so that her sexuality might be controlled because with this mutilation she cannot enjoy sex. Yes, this abomination happens even here in the United States, leaving women with physical and emotional suffering for a lifetime. Seventy percent of women retire in poverty after a lifetime of institutionalized discrimination in the workplace without equal pay or compensation for staying home to care for their families. Women's leadership is thwarted. While being the majority gender in our country, there is less than 20% representation by women in Congress, corporations, religious institutions, and academia. Millions of children go to bed hungry in the United States, and working families and seniors live in poverty. While women are only paid 74 cents on the dollar compared to men, and less if they're Hispanic or black. Yet Republicans continue to refuse to pay to pass pro-women legislation, including equal pay for equal work legislation, and only reluctantly pass the Violence Against Women Act, lest they face public humiliation. Women and children are at the margins of societies the world over, suffering from the worst health care, education, and human rights. Bride burning and arranged marriages still exist. Women may be shunned from families or seen to bring shame to their families if they have been raped or believed to have committed adultery. Tragic consequences for them can include being stoned to death or having acid thrown in the face, their faces for disobeying male authority. Girls' schools are firebombed by fundamentalists. 
patriarchy's largely unattainable view of beauty has created millions of women with eating disorders flocking to cosmetic surgeons. Distorted views of women and sexuality result in an obsessive and unhealthy pornography industry or disrespectful displays from the media. Case in point, the recent female denigrating male dominated Academy Awards show with top male actors singing in the opening skit about women's boobs. There's human trafficking, aka slavery and forced prostitution, or profound problems across the globe. Rape is used as a weapon of war. Some Republican congressmen even believe if you're raped, you must have asked for it, because certainly legitimate rape will not result in an unwanted pregnancy. Women are being duped by the evangelical new feminism that encouraged submissiveness and dependence. In groups like the Quiverful Movement, women must continue to give birth past the point when it is medically safe, and if they die in childbirth, they're assured of their status in heaven as a martyr for God. Many Christian women are taught grounds for divorce might be abandonment or adultery, but not abuse. The message this sends is, suck it up, sister, if you want to be a good wife in the eyes of the church and patriarchy. Boy children are valued by female, while female babies are still killed at birth in poor countries because they may cost the family an expensive dowry later in life. We see in India and China there's a shortage of marriageable women because this practice of killing girl babies has been so prevalent. It is having a profound psychological effect on men, particularly poor men, putting an actual face on this kind of atrocity. We learned at the Goddess Temple of Orange County the story of Fazia Kufi, now called the favorite daughter, but she was not always. She was left out in the sun to die by a mother who was ashamed of giving birth to a female in a society that honors only males. But miraculously, she lived and is now a member of the Afghani parliament and will run for president of, of Afghanistan if she survives. Sexuality and our sacred blood is considered by some to be dirty and unclean, and by association, so too are women, menstruation, and female reproduction. Can you remember the public outcry when actress Demi Moore posed with her bare pregnant belly on a popular magazine? Some time ago, but even so. Today, women are cast out still to the menstrual hut, but it was not always so. Once our sacred blood was seen as magical, a life-giving force coveted by men for its power. Women today are still in danger of losing access to contraception and abortion in the United States, despite the latter being a constitutional right. Despite the recent election, where the majority of Americans rejected their policies, Republican-controlled Congresses continue their war on women, passing laws restricting women's access to abortion and contraception. Some even require state-sanctioned internal vaginal probes against the order of doctors and require a woman, require a woman to prove a miscarriage was not induced. Their legislation is forcing doctors to misinform their female patients, telling them if they have an abortion, they might never become pregnant again. 
women and attributes equated with the feminine consciousness or seen as inferior to men with far-reaching consequences for both genders. We live in a country where rugged individualism is embraced by too many with no consideration that the playing field is not level and where caring, sharing, and nurturing values of the sacred feminine are considered weak or poverty is seen as a punishment from God, the authoritarian father. Women are programmed to help perpetuate this list of sins rather than encouraging self-empowerment in a climate where women support women. Such men and their female handmaidens try to shame those of us calling for the empowerment and, in, and equality of women. Ugly words like feminazis, but we will not be silenced. We persist. As we have forgotten the value and the belief of the interconnectedness of all things, so too have we diminished and marginalized the important role of women as life givers in the natural order of the universe. Or when Republicans tout family values, we quickly see it is more about abstinence, controlling women's sexuality, or forcing conformity via some religious dogma. A sobering state of affairs for sure, but this is the history of women on this planet. Let it be known so that we might cherry pick the best of our history and allow the light of transparency to burn away the injustice. But this is surely not the end of the story. Goddess is alive. She is being restored to the center of the world, and we are here to write the next chapter of the story. We are here writing a new mythology. We are all dedicated to recovering the great she, whether she be deity, archetype, or ideal. Yes, we intend to, to defy, to taste the forbidden fruit, to be powerful and uppity women and men, not patriarchal pawns or brainwashed sheeple. Every day we throw off the shackles, look under every rock, behind every locked door. We peer into the abyss of the past so we know why things are the way they are and shed light on the injustice. Why? Why do we keep talking about it? Not because we feel we're victims. We do it so we can explain how life has come to be turned on its head and become so unnatural. And we're going to go about setting things right so that we can save ourselves as a species and pull ourselves from the brink. I think we have no other choice. If we want to restore balance, harmony, wholeness, sanity, inequality, it is the we and the us. <coughs> Women and our like-minded brothers armed with ideas of the sacred feminine who will set things back on course. So now I want to turn it over to you, just as men once told of the coming of the Judeo-Christian Messiah Jesus, it is your turn to write the script and manifest the future. What does the coming of the Messiah, she of 10,000 names, bring to life on this planet? How does rebirthing goddess at the center of our hearts and minds change society? Today, here, right now, let us vision it so we might manifest it for ourselves. Stand up, shout it out. Let us hear your sacred roar. How do you see goddess ideals changing the world? How do you see goddess ideas changing the world? Well, these are just some ideas. 
Maybe there's an end to violence against women. Maybe there's world peace. Our country's budget spent on uplifting the people, not the military-industrial complex. Our tax dollars go to enhancing our quality of life, not corporate welfare. Political parties have women and children, the environment, and life-affirming policies on their political platforms rather than the interests of corporations. Universal health care for all, guaranteed education, religious tolerance, women would be ordained as priests, equal pay for equal work, human rights for women across the globe. Maybe we might see a female president. Greed would be taboo and once again considered one of the seven deadly sins. Anyone who commits violence against another human or animal is shamed by society, ostracized. Rape of the earth is not tolerated. Natural resources are free for all people on the planet. No longer can energy companies gouge us for what is rightly ours. Likewise, no more wars over water. Environmentalism is part of our new religion, too. The interconnectedness of all things is taught in our churches and schools. Women are not here to serve men. We see our bodies, our sacred blood, our sexuality as sacred and divine once more. Everyone has the security of knowing they will earn a living wage and can retire in dignity. Empowering women is the moral imperative of our time. Women taking on the mantle of leadership, not waiting for it to be given to us. Red tents and women's history are required learning for women and men across the globe. These are just a few of the different things that would happen in the world if goddess was at the center. I'm sure you can think of more. Maybe at the end of this, you'll go write down some of your own ideas in your journal. So, that's the end of that chapter, Our Messiah, She of 10,000 Names. And I'm going to go ahead and turn to our ISIS meditation. So, uh, if you hadn't already gotten comfortable, if you were maybe busy in the kitchen or folding clothes or working in the garden, uh, now's uh, the time for you to um, kind of sit back and ground yourself uh, and get into that headspace you get into, uh, go to that place, uh, you know, when you're going to do your mindfulness uh, exercises or your meditation. Uh, so here we go. Uh, rather than me reading the meditation today, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play uh, this already recorded meditation of ISIS. I hope you'll enjoy it. This is Karen Tate, and I'd like to invite you to come along with me on a sacred journey. It's going to be a guided meditation to the Temple of Isis in Egypt. And this is a meditation that uh, the group I uh, founded used uh, every year for an annual ritual of Isis during springtime. So you are about to enter sacred space. I'd like to invite you to take a minute to settle down. Uh, no talking, please. Make sure your phone is turned off or your pager because it's time to begin to 
take our transition and uh, go within to shift our consciousness so that we can take this journey together. We're going to take this sacred journey using our breath, our mind, the movie screen of our third eye, and our divine goddess self. We'll be here and there simultaneously, then and now, past and present. We are part of the continuum of Isis worshippers from ancient times that continues on today, growing stronger as the divine feminine becomes more a part of mainstream life. Now, I want you to be sure you're comfortable for this journey. I'd like to ask you to take some deep breaths. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Breathe deeply. Let's do this together several times. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Now close your eyes and breathe in deeply and breathe out. Let the worries of the day, the traffic, any outside concerns all just fall away. Continue to breathe in and breathe out. Keeping your eyes closed. Let's try to keep our eyes closed for the entire sacred journey. And let the scenes I suggest come alive on the movie screen of your third eye. If other ideas interrupt, just let them gently fall away and just return to the sound of my voice and the journey we're taking together. Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. Now, see yourself standing at the dock of the River Nile in Egypt. As you wait to board your boat, you look at the waterway stretching before you. You've waited such a long time for this day. There's excitement in the air as those around you and yourself are about to be granted passage for the journey to the Isis Temple to celebrate her annual festival. Everyone has come wearing their finest clothing and jewelry. You have bathed in a sacred fashion before departing. You've perfumed your body with the best oils of the Blue Lotus. And you're in this white galabaya. You've made yourself beautiful for the day celebration and for Isis. You look down and see the sandals upon your feet. And you begin to press forward toward your boat. Looking down at your feet, you walk down the steps of the dock toward the boat that will take you to Isis. You go down the first few steps, breathing in and breathing out. Breathing deeply, you go farther down the dock. Down, down. Going near your destination, you take the steps still ahead, going even farther down. Lower and lower you descend until you are about to step aboard the beautiful boat with the white sails that will transport you to your destination of the Isis Temple. 
you easily climb aboard the boat and find a seat. Taking a breath, you feel the excitement in the air around you. It's tangible. You see people on the shore waving to you and bidding you a wondrous journey. You're excited with anticipation, too. You've waited for months for the seat upon the golden barge of Isis, for this chance to visit Isis in her temple and ask her for her blessings. You know that she is the goddess of abundance, the creatrix of all there is. You know she, above all others, can grant you what it is you desire for the coming year. You go to her in a spirit of gratitude for what she has bestowed upon your life. You go to her in love, appreciation, and expectation, because you know if you are grateful, if you believe, you will receive. You feel the boat pulling away from the dock. You hear the din from the crowd, the excited whispers of those around you, but you transfix and focus on the sights and sounds you see as you begin to move forward along the waters of the River Nile. You notice the sweetness in the air from the incense burning near you. You breathe it in. You also soak in the coolness of the day. The green and billowy papyrus growing alongside of the river and the marshes smell like freshly mown grass. You look up, seeing and hearing the wind upon the sails of your boat blowing in the wind, casting you even farther forward. You revel in the gentleness of the cool breeze upon your face. You breathe in the air which fills your lungs and gives you life. You continue along the journey, having just received the gifts of air. You look up into the blue sky, full of the soft and fluffy clouds that remind you of cotton. Birds fly overhead. You notice above you the wingspan of a hawk-like bird, reminiscent of Horus, the son of Isis. You notice how the bright light from the sun's rays casts shadows and plays upon all you see. You enjoy the nurturing warmth of the golden and glowing sun upon the top of your head and on your bare skin. You silently thank the sun for its life-giving rays, which helps the crops grow, that fill your hearth with the delicious food, making you strong and healthy. You continue along the journey, having received the gifts of fire. Next, you see the long-legged ibis bird standing in the shallow water along the shore of the river as your boat passes. Your heart and mind revels in the beauty of this delicate bird's beauty. You see, mostly hidden beneath the water, the huge head of a hippopotamus. Were it not for his eyes, you might not have noticed the silent beast of the Nile. You can see schools of fish jumping alongside your boat as if escorting you along the river towards your destination. Ahead at the shore, children are playing with the family water buffalo, jumping from his back as if he were a diving board. You focus on the waves of the Nile lapping alongside your boat. You know beneath the dark waters, the place from where life emerges, there is an abundance of gifts to support all life. You continue along the journey, having realized you have just received the gifts of water. You look ahead, and in the distance, you begin to see the temple. The majestic structure draws closer and closer. 
you see throngs of people all walking along the shoreline toward the sacred temple of Isis. They're all dressed in their finery. Some are in costume. Women are dressed as men. Some men are dressed as women. They, they carry mirrors. They carry images of deities. They carry portable altars fixed upon the tops of long poles. You see exotic felines being walked on long leashes. Some women are throwing flowers into the air. They're singing and dancing and celebrating. People of all classes are converging upon the temple for this important ritual of thanksgiving and petition. Some are riding horses. Others come in makeshift carts pulled by donkeys. You hear the bray of the camels in the caravan making its way alongside the river. The beasts laden with the gifts of, for Isis's golden ship, which will be cast out upon the waters and offering. The sick and elderly come. The rich and poor come. Women are carried in golden palaquins. Children come with their siblings and parents. They all come in procession, walking along the green strip of abundance that grows alongside the Nile. The green growing abundance that is Osiris, consort and brother of Isis. All around you, you see the budding of spring, the crops in the field, the promise of abundance for the coming year, and ahead, the gigantic stones quarried from the earth that comprise the temple of Isis. You realize you're about to conclude your journey to the Temple of Isis, realizing you have now received the gifts of air, fire, water, and earth, all her elements. Your boat pulls alongside the dock in front of the Isis Temple. Your eyes are magnetically pulled toward the beauty and majesty that is her temple. You follow those with you on your boat toward the entrance, walking between the avenue of sphinxes which lead toward the temple. You see many of the people you saw walking in procession toward the temple and you join in. There's a carnival-like atmosphere. Your skin tingles and your hair stands up on the back of your neck in response to the joy and excitement in the air. Your senses are on overload with the smell of incense, the sound of the animals, and the voices of the people. Soon you are upon the gigantic doorway of the temple, and beyond you know is the holiest part of that temple, the cella, the inner sanctum, the holy of holies where Isis herself lies beyond these doors. Not everyone is allowed within this holy sanctum. You know how very lucky you are to be a part of this year's audience. A hush falls upon those gathered there. You barely breathe, lest your breath break the spell of anticipation. Everyone instinctively becomes quiet, reverent, transfixed upon the doors before them, which you sense are about to open. And they do, ever so slowly. You know you have arrived at the cella, the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctum of the Temple of Isis, Lady of Mystery and Magic herself. And as the doors open, you see before you a throne, and beside the throne a priestess, and you see her beckoning to you. She wants you to come and sit upon the throne of Isis. Yes, you. She beckons you closer. 
she's inviting you to be one with the goddess to receive her gifts as she has done with so many pharaohs before now so you approach the throne and you sit upon the chair and instinctively you open your senses wider ever wider you open yourself to hear what you must hear. You open yourself to feel what you must feel. You allow yourself to see in your mind's eye what she shows you. It may be different each time you visit. It may be different for each one gathered here. But just take your time, just sit within the lap of the goddess upon her throne. Sit quietly, let yourself be open, hear what you must hear, feel what you must feel. See in your mind's eye what she shows you. Soon you feel the gentle touch of the priestess. With her gentle touch, you feel her trying to awaken you and bring you back from the place you have visited as you're seated upon the throne. You're coming back to this place because you remember you were there and here simultaneously. It is then and now past and present, you are and have been part of the continuum of goddess worshipers from ancient time that continues on today, growing ever stronger with each passing day. Remember, you can go back and visit this place, this holy of holy of goddess. It now lives within your mind, your heart, and your body. Travel back here as you must. Receive what she has for you. She is always there. You can always access her. She is always there for you. Now, take a deep breath and open your eyes. Bring yourself back into the room from where you started. You might want to shake your hands and wiggle your toes, say your name out loud, maybe grow, grab something to eat. And I thank you for trusting me to take you on the sacred journey.
Hi. Uh, I'm back with you now. Uh, I had myself muted before, uh, but I'm back with you live now. I hope you enjoyed the meditation. Um, I will be back with you next Wednesday uh, to do a regular show. And, um, and in the month of April, we will be doing this again. Uh, the theme will be balance in all things, and we will have some focus uh, on the, uh, the goddess Kuan Yin. So uh, please do take care of yourself. Take care of your friends and loved ones. Um, and uh, may Isis embrace you in her golden wings. Goodbye for now.